Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Will Nettleton, pastor of mission and worship here at LMPC. And this episode is a Pillar and Ground questions episode, where we seek to provide biblical perspective for today's pressing questions. This week and next week, we're going to be trying to answer the question, how should I respond when others cherry pick Bible verses and use them out of context, or when they accuse us of doing the same? On the first one of those, how should I respond when others cherry-pick Bible verses? One of the most famous examples of this, which we're going to look at today, is Matthew 7-1, in which Jesus says, Judge not, that you be not judged. Seems to be uh, a favorite Bible verse of many people. In his book, Telling a Better Story, Joshua Chatrow provides a classic way that this verse is often used. He references a small group leader in one of his former churches who was confronting a high school student in her small group on the fact that she was sleeping around. As she was confronted, the young woman snapped at her, doesn't the Bible teach us not to judge others? You have no right to say whether this is good or bad. And that does seem to be the way that this verse is often used. It's a sort of trump card that ends all discussion of one's behavior or choices. And yet, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, or if you've read other parts of the Bible, you may have this nagging feeling that such a use of this verse is at odds with other areas of Scripture. So what do we do in a moment like that? How do we proceed? What do we do when verses like this feel like they're being taken out of context and not read in light of the rest of Scripture? Well, I may have given away where I'm going with this because first I want to remind you of something that Brian covered in our Pillar and Ground Confession episode on chapter one of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is on the Holy Scriptures. Westminster Confession of Faith 1.9 reads, The infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. And therefore, when there's a question about the true and full sense of any Scripture, which is not manifold but one, It must be searched and known by other places that speak more clearly. In other words, Scripture interprets Scripture. This makes sense when you remember what we believe the Bible is. We believe this book to be God's inspired special revelation of Himself. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 reads, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So if the Bible is breathed out by God, and God cannot lie, then we trust His Word. In fact, Jesus makes this very point in John ten thirty five when He says that the Scriptures cannot be broken. What that means on a practical level is that we would expect the Bible to be consistent with itself and not to contain any actual contradictions. Now, I say actual there because the Bible has many apparent contradictions that often disappear as you study further and reflect further. Once you begin to dig a little bit, you can begin to resolve the tension. But the point of the principle Scripture interprets Scripture for our purposes today is that we understand Scripture in relation to itself. We can never proceed with an interpretation of one verse that would explicitly contradict the correct interpretation of other verses or passages of Scripture. So to return to Jesus' words in Matthew 7-1, Judge not that you be not judged, to rightly interpret this verse, we have to interpret it in light of everything else that Scripture says. 
And I need to just pause here and acknowledge that much of what I'm about to share with you, I actually got from Kevin DeYoung's article in the September 2022 issue of Table Talk. So if you find this helpful, you can go there uh, for further study. But thinking about these things, one thing that judge not can't mean is that we should abolish the rule of law. We know that because of passages like Romans 13, 1 through 7, which tell us that God has appointed the governmental authorities over us and that they have a responsibility to, do, to deal with evildoers. Another thing that judge not can't mean is that we are not to use discernment. Jesus himself says in John 7, 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So, in fact, just as a side note, John 7, 24, which I just read, and Matthew 7, 1 are great examples of what I was talking about earlier when I mentioned apparent contradictions. In one passage, Jesus says, judge not. In another, he says, judge with right judgment. Well, which is it, Jesus? Let's keep digging and see if we can't resolve that tension. To go back to the judge not passage, a third thing that it can't mean when we read it in light of the rest of the scriptures is that we are to suspend all moral distinctions. Jesus himself employs harsh criticism when necessary. In fact, just a few verses after Matthew 7, 1, in verse, 7, in verse 5, excuse me, Jesus calls his hearers who are trying to take the speck out of their brother's eye while having a log in their own hypocrite. And Kevin DeYoung rightly points out, there's simply no way that we can read the Bible and conclude that godliness entails accepting everything all the time and affirming everyone no matter what. The same Jesus who preached about not judging also rebuked the church at Thyatira for tolerating false teachers and sexual immorality in Revelation 2.20. So all those other places in Scripture give us some context for what this verse cannot mean. But that still leaves the question, okay, well, what does it mean? What is Jesus trying to say when he says, judge not, that you be not judged? This is where it's helpful to consider this verse in its full context. If we're supposed to read scripture in light of scripture, we're also supposed to read verses in their full context. We're supposed to read the things that are around them to help us understand what uh, God is trying to say to us in any given verse or passage. So if you're in a place where you can, let me invite you to open up a Bible to Matthew chapter 7 and follow along with me. And don't worry if you need to pause the podcast, we will be here when you get back. In verse 2, Jesus says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in context, one aspect of Jesus' point is that we should measure others the way that we would want them to measure us. How do I want my words and actions to be judged? Jesus invites us to ask. I think we all want people not to believe the worst about us, right? We would like them to have all of the information before they make a conclusion. We'd want people to hear us out, not to simply jump to the worst possible conclusion about us or our actions or behaviors. And and another thing, I wouldn't want people saying things behind my back that they wouldn't say to my face. So Jesus' injunction invites me to judge others and their words and their actions in the same manner that I would want them to judge me. If we continue down to verses 3 through 5, we can see another aspect of Jesus' point in saying judge not, and that is that we should examine ourselves first. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. 
So Jesus is not forbidding us from speaking the truth to others or confronting them when we need to. But he does want us to start with ourselves. We need to correct ourselves and speak truth to our own hearts first. What good does it do us to tell the truth to others if we haven't even applied that same truth to our own lives? Finally, notice in verses 3 through 5 that Jesus keeps using the language of brother. He assumes that confrontation takes place within the context of a family-like relationship. When we're confronting someone else, another brother or sister in Christ, we should be doing so in healthy familial love. So when we return to that question of what does judge not that you be not judged mean in context, I think it means, number one, that we're to judge others the way we want to be judged. That is fairly. Second, before we judge others, we need to judge ourselves and apply truth to our own hearts before we try to apply it to others. And three, once we've done that, we can then approach our brother or sister in love to help them get the speck out of their own eye. So hopefully now that we've read this verse in light of the rest of Scripture and looked at it in its own context, we can see that judge not is not simply a get-out-of-jail-free card for every sin under the sun. It's an invitation for us to confront ourselves before we confront others, and to do so in love, approaching them the same way we would want to be approached. And we can see when we go back to that question of, okay, so in John seven twenty four, when Jesus said to do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment, and we considered whether that was a contradiction with Matthew 7, 1, I think now we can see these verses actually fit together perfectly. Judge not that you be not judged is an invitation to judge not by appearances, but with right judgment. So the next time that someone quotes Matthew 7, 1 out of context to you, maybe you could warmly invite them to open up the Bible with you and to look at the fullness of its meaning in light of other scriptures and in light of its own context. Next time, we're going to look at the accusation that we as Christians often cherry pick which verses we want to obey. And you often hear this in conversations about the Old Testament's prohibitions against homosexuality. People will say, well, Christians ignore all the parts of the Old Testament about not eating shellfish or or wearing garments made out of two kinds of material. Aren't you just picking the parts that fit your agenda? If that question is of interest to you, be sure to tune in next week. For now, thank you for joining us for this episode of Pillar and Ground. 